Welcome to Sustainable Business Friday. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. This week, I'm joined by Bard MBA's Megan Altman, and we're speaking with Mary Powell, President and CEO of Green Mountain Power. Hi, Mary. It's great to finally chat with you. (laughs) I know. It's awesome to chat with you, too. Let's just jump right in. Um, And I first wanted to just discuss the interesting fact that you turned down this job as the CEO of Green Mountain Power um, three times before accepting it. Um, And I don't know how many of our listeners might know that, but I was just wondering, you know, what made you finally say yes after that fourth ask? So actually it was, I turned down the opportunity to come to to the company three times. So it wasn't, (laughs) at that point, it wasn't the CEO role. It was an officer role reporting directly to the CEO of the company. Um, And, you know, and it was really because I just could not imagine working as much as I thought the that I had interviewed with really bright, funny, warm people, um, the culture that I felt the minute I walked in the doors was not one that I felt like I could ever be a part of and be happy and successful. Um, you know, and, and the best way to describe it is because when I went to interview with the then CEO, he you had to go into this well, you came into this massive kind of, I thought, very pompous lobby. You had to go up a a set of stone steps. You had to get through two private secretaries to get to him. And he had his own massive office, massive conference room, and private bathroom. Um, So that is probably what turned me off. (laughs) Yeah. There would probably be many people in life that would be like, ooh, that sounds like I would want that. And that is sort of the antithesis of what makes me happy and, you know, and as a good visual, you know, I work at a stand-up desk that's the same size as everybody else's stand-up desk in the company. And I, I, my stand-up desk is in the wide open and I'm right next to uh, the linemen that work in the Colchester office um, and, you know, right in sort of the heaviest traffic area of the company. So I would say that's the best way to symbolically say why I said no. Mm -hmm. Um, your question was really why I said yes. <laughs> that is, I think, really where I came to was honestly, I had this this uh, uh, woman uh, who who passed away a number of years ago, but she was an awesome, uh, just sort of person I would uh, pass by life stuff with, and um, you know. When it came the third time, after the third time, she said, she's in the marriage. You know, if it comes up again, I just think maybe there's just some sort of reason the universe wants you to be there. Um, that was basically what she said. And so it did. It came back at me again. And and I didn't have a better idea at that point anyway. So I just thought, oh, okay, well, maybe the universe wants me to be there for me. <laughs> that is sort of why I'm here. <laughs> That's a good story. Did you, when you joined the company then, did you make the changes that resulted in kind of the environment you're describing? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so what happened was, so yeah, so she literally was like, maybe there, you know, there's a reason, maybe there's a reason, Mary, that's like 
yeah, that you're supposed to be there. I said yes. I still wasn't 100% sure it was a good idea. And so I said yes, and then I went with my um, husband and my baby daughter. She was a baby back then. Uh, to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks to sort of chill out before I started. And um, as luck would have it, um, because I really did look at it as luck, what the universe delivered to Green Mountain Power was, um, you know, a massive uh, uh, rate. Well, they had asked for a 16% rate increase when they were interviewing me. And that was another thing that I was like, geez, 16%. And this kind of seems like there's ways to save money, if you ask me. Like, I was thinking mm-hmm. back to that visual. I was like, hmm, this seems kind of odd. Or, you know, like there's a little bit of dissonance here. Um, and what happened was the company actually got, I think, something like a 2% rate increase. So by the time I started, um, you know, they had been very confident they were going to get the rates they needed, and they didn't. And so that really became the platform, uh, you know, that it still took me about six months to convince the team to undergo dramatic cultural uh, revolution is what it really was, a cost and cultural revolution. Uh, but that is the work that uh, that I started leading as a result of that. And, yes, that's the work that then got us into open space offices, it's the work that got us incredibly streamlined. It's the work that got us um, customer obsessed or on the path to being customer obsessed. Because mm-hmm. culturally, that was the other thing. I never heard the word customer when I came. I only heard the word like meter. Um, and I never, you know, I heard a lot. I heard the word shareholder a lot, um, mm-hmm. which is never a word that's to this day, that's not a word that inspires me. Um, but customers inspire me. Uh, transformation inspires me, making a change in the world inspires me. And um, and so it was really starting down that path of becoming focused on, uh, you know, the what I would, you know, what is well known as the triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, so yeah, that launched all of that work. Huh. Yeah. And related to the, to the customer piece, um, I've also, I listened to an interview where you said that you hated the term rate payer. Um, yeah. And that, you know, many utilities just refer to their customers as the rate payers. And so I would imagine that that you all just refer to your customers as customers. But I was wondering, like, how do you view your customers and why do you view them this way? Well, you know, you know, we you know, the the really cool thing about operating in in Vermont, too, is that we're small enough that, you know, it really is a place where, um, you know, having a passion for those you serve has a very um, local feel, right? Because these are our, these are our, you know, we're all over the state. We serve 70, like 8% of the state. Um, and these are folks that are in our communities. These are folks whose kids go to school with our kids. Like these are, you know, people we love. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we're, yeah, we have a real passion for our customers. We have a real passion for Vermonters. We have a real passion for Vermont and wanting to see our state uh, you know, continue to uh, prosper and to, you know, be able to grow economically. And we, you know, so so we're obsessed with what our customers want, which, you know, is really aligned with what a lot of us want, because we are all Vermonters. And many of the people that work at Green Mountain Power are also customers of Green Mountain Power. So it's it's become intensely personal for all of us. So it went from, I would say, an incredibly um like depersonalized, you know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. was even saying the word customer to, you know, now we're not afraid to use the word love and, and now, we're not, you know, now we're not, <laughs> we're 
afraid to, to try to get deeply personal with our customers and to you know meet them where they are and try to exceed their expectations of us. Um, you know, and one of the things I love about social media is that, that it has allowed us to create an intimacy with so many more of our customers. Like if you saw our approach to social media, you know, I would say you probably would notice it feels a little different than a lot of companies. Um, you know, because you know, I you know, I'll weigh in. Others weigh in. I mean, we we have a very deeply personal way of communicating with Vermonters and with the people that we serve. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's amazing, and it is. It's something you don't hear very often in the industry. Um, and so, like, I work right now for a company called Simple Energy, and we're focused on this utility of the future. And you know, Green Mountain Power definitely embodies that utility of the future and is leading the path. And I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned it um, in describing the customers that it's this very local thing, you know, Vermont is small and you serve 78% of the state. So how do you respond to those in the industry? I mean, I'm assuming there's some that say, you know, well, that's all well and good, but you're Vermont, you're small, you know, what you're doing could never work here. How do you respond to that to really create the industry change? Yeah, I mean, my response to that is, you know, um, that I feel like we are an example that is absolutely scalable to any location. I think the I think the uh, more uh, robust challenge is if you're serving customers in states that don't want transformation or who aren't hungry for transformation. I think in terms of developing a deeply personal, loving connection with those you serve, it's possible whether you serve millions or whether you serve thousands. Um, you know, because the reality is, yes, we create an intimate feel, but, you know, we don't, we don't personally know everybody. So, um, you know, I think it is very, very scalable uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I think transformation, as I, as I said on the uh, PBS interview that just aired uh, night before last, um, you know, the, I think, you know, I'm, I, I came from New York City. I, you know, I go back there all the time. I, you know, I think there's, you know, I see miles and miles of neighborhoods in Brooklyn and Queens and all around where uh, transformation like this and creating a more intimate connection and thinking about energy as a service and helping customers who want to decarbonize uh, their homes and have a more economical future. I think that opportunity, you know, is there uh, for those uh, who want to seize it. Yeah. I would agree with you. <laughs> I just, yeah, I feel like there's probably pushback and, you know, excuses made sometimes as to why, why things won't work on a larger scale. Yeah, um, you know, and that's just, you know, it's, it's certainly an ingrained part of human nature, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, we, yeah. you know, we, we resist. I always say that, you know, everybody loves change as long as it's their idea. So, <laughs> you know, we just, I think human and, and the system we have now has been around for, I mean, my gosh, really since the late 1800s. So, yeah. um, you know, that's a long time of having dedication and focus and looking at value from, you know, one set of, of lens. Yeah. Um, and so this kind of uh, brings me to the fact that Green Mountain Power is, was the first, and I believe still the only, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but utility that's a, a B Corp. Um, I think we still are the only. I know there's a bunch that are looking at it, and I get lots of questions, which is awesome. Yeah. So how did that decision come about? I mean, it, it kind of sounds like it's 
it's common sense um, from the way you're describing yeah. how you see the work that you're doing. But did was there pushback towards this decision? Did people think both internally and externally, did they agree with you in this decision? Did it come from you or, you know, what was the response there? Um, actually, so going back to sort of the where you started me, which is why I said mm -hmm. no and why I said yes and how it got going. You know, I remember when I was meeting with the then CEO, who was an amazing guy, because he actually helped uh, or supported this transformation happening, obviously, um, or it wouldn't have, because it all started under when he was the CEO and he empowered me to lead it. Um, and, I, and I remember when I was talking to him about kind of like, you know, trying to get him to get a visual of what I was seeing could be a way more successful path for our customers in the future, aside from stripping out like literally tens of millions of dollars of cost. Um, you know, I, I in, in kind of one frustrated moment when I was having a hard time explaining it or he was having a hard time getting it, I said, we just need to become the Ben and Jerry's of the, of the energy world. <laughs> there was nothing that could have made me happier than literally having Ben and Jerry stand with me when we did our B Corp announcement. <laughs> so, and, and they were the, they were the first, I think it was Ben who said, the first in the galaxy to be, uh, to be a B Corp, the first utility in the galaxy. So they, they were very excited too. But, you know, I think cause to your point, I just thought it's kind of common sense that you you know at the end of the day you know if you're you'll you know and the whole philosophy is of, of B Corp is uh, you know do well by doing good you know and and so it's really a focus on you know the communities and the customers you serve and so I feel like we really started on the path of becoming a B Corp way back then um, and so really by the time we actually got involved with the process. They had poked at us a couple times and candidly we were just so busy with other stuff and I, you know, and then I I was like, nope, you know what? It feels like the time is right. And really by then the cool thing is it was a ton of work to go through the certification process. But we didn't have to change anything at that point to become certified because we had already culturally started on that path. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. years earlier. So even with our investor, you know, because again, you have to change your corporate bylaws, which is mm -hmm. kind of a big deal for a lot of investors. Yeah. I think by then we had already shown, we'd already created this path that by obsessing on our customers, on trying to like move rapidly to a very different future on their behalf, that we would be okay, like, and that mm -hmm. our investors would be okay. And so, so it really, you know, it, it happened very organically. So it wasn't this, it was a big deal because we got to stand with Ben and Jerry and that was fun, but it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, we had become one anyway, um, yeah. which was really cool. And it, I mean, and I, think, and I think a huge part of it that might be a little different for other utilities is we had also like years before we, applied to go through that process with them. We had also, I had already launched when I was becoming CEO, a really ambitious um, energy vision, which was around transforming the portfolio. Um, and that also was super helpful because we went from like 16% renewable to over 60% renewable. We're 90% wow. carbon free in our portfolio. Uh, as of uh, this January. So we'd, we'd also really made headway in the context of our portfolio. Yeah, congrats on that. 90% carbon-free. That's incredible. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And it, it I mean, how you said, you know, by the time you actually decided to become a B Corp, it was just this easy transition. You had already proven the case, you know, you, to the investors, like you said, and um, yep. the business case was there. So it was just an easy decision. It's a smart right. way to do it. Right. Um, so you mentioned that you have, you know, I, I believe it's other utilities contacting you about that, about becoming a B Corp. Do you have, is there that sort of collaboration in the industry around just, you know, do you have other utilities contacting you to learn about how they can do what, what you all are doing? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, I, you know, and again, I like to stay humble about it too, you know, in the context of, you know, yeah, we, we definitely, I think are leading the way in the context of how do we think about ourselves as a, you know, a transformation company, an energy transformation company. And that's what we talk about here. We're an energy transformation company that's focused on <clears throat> personalized energy solutions so that we can get to a community home and business-based energy system. You know, so yes, I would say in that context we are. But what's really cool is when others come to talk about that, you know, we learn about interesting things that they're thinking about that maybe we could actually scale faster because we're smaller. Um, and yeah. we also, you know, there's always operational things that we learn from others as well, too, that have a lot more invested uh, maybe in some core systems or things in terms of some of the, what I would call the uh, meat and potatoes of the business. So, um, but yes, we do, Megan, we've had uh, more and more uh, companies reach out and want to spend time and understand more about what we're doing, for sure. Great. That's good to hear. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, so I also heard somewhere that, you know, you had said that success for the company because of this, you know, customer obsession, customer focused um, value means that means figuring out how to never raise rates. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, that might sound crazy to many other people coming from a utility CEO, but you've shown you've definitely shown from what you've done over the years, right, that there doesn't have to be this choice between your customer or the shareholders. Um, and so I'm what do you see in the company's future just to continue to work towards this goal of never having to raise rates? Yeah, no, and again, that, that's a great, it's a great point, and actually it's, it's uh, you know, it's tough because we actually did just have to file for the first time in years, like, a, you know, a, a real rate increase, so it was 5%, um, which again, compared to some others around us, and we've held them flat, or we've even decreased a couple times in the last four years, um, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't seem like a lot, but to us, you know, for me, it was like, ugh. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because some other, even just this week, I had another like longtime utility CEO, um, you know, come up like big smile and congratulate me like, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah. please, don't. <laughs> I don't like that's not something I want like recognition for. Yeah. Um, I think that even that, even your attitude around it is, I mean, your customers have to see that, that it's it's a last resort for you all and you oh, don't feel good about totally, it. It is totally a freaking last resort. And, and, you know, and it just uh, makes us want to work harder to figure out how to earn our way into new value propositions from customers. So again, you know, there is no doubt that there is that, you know, in some parts of the country, this, the so-called death spiral has started, right. Um, which is that loads are flat in some parts of the country. And, 
you know, are starting to threaten to decline because so many customers can now self-supply. I mean, that's, you know, that is, and that's the future we're leaning into. That's the future we want to see from an energy system perspective. But at the same time, you know, we absolutely don't want a future where we're saying to those customers who, for whatever reasons, economic reasons, distraction reasons, practical reasons, rental housing reasons, you know, yeah. transform. And we don't want to be left saying, well, you know, sorry, the traditional delivery system is now three times the cost, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so that is the heart and soul of, of what we're trying to do is really figure out how to lead in the transformation so that we're earning our way into new value streams, new revenue streams that are coming to offset the loss of the traditional. Um, and, you know, we've got our work cut out for us. It's, yeah. if, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> not yeah. easy. It is not easy. And, uh, but, you know, again, we feel like, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. And, uh, and that is our focus. So, yes, yeah, we, we look at having to raise rates as a failure. Yeah. And I know we're coming up on time here. So maybe just closing out with a, you know, what's next for the, for the company. and you know, with, with those, you see this transformation of customers being able to self-supply, but, you know, I still see, I see the utility as always playing a role. And I'm wondering how you, yeah. how you um, stay in that, in, in that transformation and just what's next. <laughs> yeah. Great question. So I think what's next is exactly what we were just talking about, which is uh -huh. to continue to figure out how we can leverage a unique value proposition that helps others prosper in the energy space. So again, we're not doing any of this stuff in a monopolistic way at all, but we do have an obligation to take care of this, you know, aging infrastructure and make sure it's robust for really decades to come, to your point. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's what makes it intellectually, emotionally uh, challenging and exciting and fun, right? And so, you know, so again, we, you know, we're doing a, 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 a thing right now where we're looking out 10 years and trying to see how we could, you know, really make this math work so that we have this amazing, robust uh, backbone while we, while we continue to transform. And there's, there's no easy solutions. And, you know, the thing is you have, you have to be not afraid to look to the future, but then you have to have that balance of not being beholden to any freaking thing you put in a PowerPoint. Because... <laughs> Like the most important thing is, as I tell everybody, like if we're successful, we're going to be doing something two years from now that I never could have ever imagined today, right? Yeah. <laughs> so part of it is how do we look to the future, but not again get, and, and it's tough in this industry because you're trained to like look out 20 years and you put these. And then stick to that. Right, and then stick to that, and then, you know, it takes three years for the regulators to approve your two, you know, your 10-year plan, and, you know, so it's, it's how do you stay nimble and flexible and, and look ahead but not be beholden to it and just continue to obsess on your customers and how to deliver value to them, and that's, yeah. that's who we are and that's where we are. That's great, and I said that was the last question, but I have one more, if you could. <laughs> I'm okay. going to sneak another one in. Um, just one like if you had a hopeful message for individuals like me, younger individuals that are interested in the energy sector, but then you're kind of overwhelmed by all this negativity or the doom and gloom and can it be changed? Um, 
you know, they're viewing it with this traditional, the utility, kind of like how you came on to the company yeah. with that view. What would be your one hopeful message for people like oh, myself? I, mean, just be, I actually do think, I think one of the things that makes me hopeful in the energy space is that um, it actually is a pretty fragmented system, um, which says to me that, uh, particularly in our current climate, that a lot of change can just continue to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just say, you know, like I would say about most things, just freaking lean in and like <laughs> be the change you want to see. Um, yep. Be loud and proud and uh, advocate for, you know, what you what you you know what you would love to see happen. And at the same time, you know, keep an open mind and open ears. You know, because I, I feel like I could never have led the change I did if I didn't have deep respect for why things were the way they were. So I do feel like, it, I feel like that is kind of a unique balance I don't see enough of, to tell you the truth. So I, do, I think just sort of like trashing and, you know, being, it, it, that to me, in, when you really are trying to create systemic change in a complex system, that only gets you so far. I actually think the real cool change, I'd love to see people to leave, be the change you want to see, but, but don't be afraid to understand why things are the way they are. Because yeah. that's how you figure out these paths to create sustainable change. Yep. Find the positives. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for just this conversation. This has been wonderful. I oh, so nice it. to finally connect with you. I'm really <laughs> happy we were able to do that. Me too. Thank you, Mary. You can learn more about Mary and Green Mountain Power by visiting GreenMountainPower.com. Join us in January 2018 as we launch our new podcast series, The Impact Report. Additional details are coming soon, so stay tuned. Bard MBA and Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at Bard.edu.